Welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals Podcast, a podcast about stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly distributed. The Filmed Live Musicals website contains information on nearly 200 musicals that have been captured live. Check it out at filmedlivemusicals.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 26 of the Filmed Live Musicals podcast. I'm your host, Louisa Lyons, and my guests this week are Lisa Magtoto and Maribel Lagarda, writer and director of the longest-running Pinoy jukebox musical, Rock of Ages. The musical first opened in 2014, and the seventh season was filmed in 2019 and streamed around the world just this past year. Welcome, Lisa and Maribel. Hi, Louisa. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. So to start off with, what made you fall in love with musical theater? Maribel. (laughs) (laughs) No, me, I've always loved music. So when we were, I think that music and comedy are two very good styles for Filipinos. They enjoy that so much. So in the process of making plays, whether I was doing children's theater or whatever, I always had music. And I really love music. And it's the theater, so you can stylize anything and everything. And I think sometimes it, it you know, in, in one song, it can embody the whole message that you want to say, the whole emotion. So that's why I fell in love with musical theater. And Lisa? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up uh, watching musicals, you know, movies that are musicals. And I grew to love them. They're so delightful. <laughs> so, and I love watching them. And my dad would have free tickets to some of the musicals that were being shown here so I would get to watch a few yeah like what Maribel said it music is like another language uh, that is added to the play and if you know if words can pierce the heart I think music kind of pierces even deeper like the soul so you know it, uh, and and that's why it adds a lot of meaning to whatever performance you have mm-hmm. so I love it I love music <laughs> Yeah. What musicals were playing in the Philippines? Uh, yeah. During our generation, <laughs> I was very much, ex- I have to be honest, I was very much exposed to more Broadway musicals. So my favorite musical would be, of course, this will really uh, age me, no? Uh, Pippin, you know, Hair, Jesus Christ Superstar. They're kind of like my favorite musicals. And of course, later on, you know, Les Mis, Miss Saigon and stuff like that. That That's, you know, more or less my the Broadway musical background that I grew up with. And then, of course, there were also our sarsuelas uh, we had to grow up. So sarsuela is a, a musical tradition that that came from Spain, no? um, mostly about love stories. Sometimes it's love story and about revolution. So Walang Sugat was a, what is the English translation of that? No more pain. <laughs> <laughs> She no wound. wound. It sounds terrible. Like not wound. wound. Not wounded. Uh, it's, a, it's a very classic transuela. And if you were in school, you would have to watch that. That's, so that's one of the things that you would have to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember watching Fiddler on the Roof by a, another theater company here. And and I guess when we had chance to get, get out of the country, that's when I we were able to watch other plays and <clears throat> other musicals. Uh, but mostly film musicals, I guess that, <laughs> and or uh, musicals that uh, were done into film, like West Side Story, and you know th- those are the things that we were exposed to. Sound of Music, 
Yeah, of course. Of course. Sound of music, my goodness. It's yeah, time by today. sound of music. Yes, you can tell how old we are. <laughs> I grew up with it too. Long. <laughs> you can I? Oh no. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, Fiddler um, on the Roof really is kind of vivid to me still. Yeah. Mm. It's funny, as as Lisa and I talked about earlier, uh, we, we chatted before we rec- were recording, my grandparents were born in Manila, and I know they grew up listening to and performing in Satsuelas and had a deep love of musical theater too. And I grew up wow. watching Fiddler in the Roof and Sound of Music in their living room. So it's it feels like very full circle for me. It's very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, I know, how you get educated with music, musicals during that time. Yeah, class. that's right. Yeah, absolutely. The the golden age brought to us by VHS. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and something really powerful, which is something we'll get into a little bit later, about putting musicals on film that they can transcend world barriers. It's it's not just a street in New York. It's these musicals have been beloved and enjoyed by people on every continent all around the world. And I think that's something, like uh, Lisa was saying, the power of music to not just touch the heart, but touch the soul. And it's it's something that is universal, a universal language. Yes. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> so what led to both of your involvement with PETA? And can you tell us what, what PETA is? Okay, gosh. Uh, Peta was founded when? I just, um, 1967. I keep on forgetting that date. I don't know why. Um, yeah, and it's 1967. 1967. So it stands for Philippine Educational Theater Association. Our theater was in the open air in um, the Raja Sulaiman Theater in Fort Santiago, which is uh, really, a, it's an old fort, which was the first uh, settlement that the Spanish set up in, in, in Manila. And, uh, that's where our theater grew from and it was founded by Cecilia Dote Alvarez. And it's, at the time, its main thing was to be able to create original Filipino plays because, you know, us, we were a colony of America. Therefore, what was happening was, um, theater was more like, you know, English theater in the universities and then popular theater in the community. So, uh, when she, she actually came, she studied in the States. Uh, then she came from her master's thesis. And her thesis was about that, to, to, to set up a national theater movement in the Philippines, writing in Filipino. And that's how it all s- started. And then from there, um, she didn't stay so long because she was an anti-Marcos um, activist. And sh- so she left in less than 10 years. I always say I was long. I've been better longer than, she, than the founders. But yeah, and then so when she left to the, the, the young student, she, she, she likes working with young people. Uh, they just took up the cudgels and tried to continue and that, that, that baton has been passed on from the different generations. So we're all, we're 54, 54 plus year. Yeah. So we're old. (laughs) And so from, and then when we were staying at Fort Santiago, it became really very difficult um, because we... It's open air. It's, it's op- like the ruins and open air. Yeah. So we, we, we thought we needed a permanent home because we don't own that. Obviously, that's a national um, site, national. And uh, so we decided to put up our own theater. And when was that? 2007? 20- <laughs> I think. 
Yeah, some, yeah something yeah. like that. We finally put up our own theater in Quezon City. And uh, that's the Black Box Theater where we filmed um, Rock of Ages. Um, yeah. And then, so that, that theater is ours. And uh, it's got a Black Box Theater uh, studio, two classrooms, a library and office space, and some an, other neutral spaces which we use for rehearsals or exhibits or whatever. And uh, yeah, we've been there since then. How many seats is the theater? Uh, maximum, like about 420. Something like that, yeah. But it's basically a black box. I mean, what was beautiful about our theater was because it was multi-spaced. So we, it, is, uh, it was designed by um, uh, national artist Leandro Loxin. So it's like, we call it the thrust or the E-stage. So it wasn't just down. We would also, from the walls, the ancient walls, or outside uh, in the lobby, we would be performing, creating noises or whatever, and then sort of like sense around it. Um, sometimes, uh, this is not during our time, Palisa. Uh, during uh, Cecil Guidotti's time, there's a church there, the Manila Cathedral, and part of the play was she would make those cathedral bells ring. Yeah, or she would have horses, you know, galloping. And in one play we had, um, in Minsan Isang Gamu Gamu, an, um, an anti-US based play, we really had a pig on stage. And <laughs> while the, the show was running, the pig was getting bigger. Um, so we, um, it's a beautiful stone stage. No, it's really a beautiful place. I will always miss it dearly uh, because, you know, and it's multi-level because at that time when she was studying in the States, that's exactly what was going on. Right? We were breaking the strict fourth wall, multi-staging, multi-spaces. And that tradition uh, really brought, you know, was was something that formed Peta's aesthetics. And, and the black box, we really missed it a lot. And in Rock of Ages, I think consciously or unconsciously, that was my tribute to the space because um, it's a pity, of course, you in a camera, you can't see the full shot. No? And we don't have full shots or top shots of the, you know, but it's really quite clear. So if sometimes you see the audiences, they're not quite looking at the lead who's talking because they're looking at other elements in the space because it's quite, you know, they're, I want, we wanted to create a community. And so in a community, so many things are happening and that's what we were trying to sort of achieve. You know? And I, I think the, the, Capture definitely captures that. You can see how multi-layered the set is and how gorgeous it is, how um, the different levels of it. And what I love about the capture too is being able to see the audience and their reactions to things and that they are looking in different places and that the camera allows that, which is really amazing, given especially that it's an archival recording that's... It's a it's no mean feat. Uh, so how did you become how did you become involved with Peta? Lisa, kau naman. <laughs> yeah, uh, me. Initially, it was my sister uh, Bing who sort of dragged me. <laughs> she would invite me to watch uh, their plays, and then I grew to love the kind of place that I saw at Fort Santiago, which was in the ruins, and it was so different from what I would see before, and. And I love the, the relevance of the theater that Peta brought and brings. And uh, so later, you know, the, the, the guys in Peta would always ask me, to, oh, you know how to play the guitar? Okay, can you play the guitar for this scene or whatever, you know? So I would go during rehearsal and then go to the actual place and do, be one of the music pool pe- members. And then later on, I just said, oh, oh heck, I'm going to join PETA already, you know? I mean, it's I'm practically a member. They're so, every day. 
Yeah, <laughs> there all the time. So, um, so I so I joined Peta and uh, late, although I wasn't writing yet. Uh, in Peta, we do all sorts of things. We become stage managers and props people, costumes, whatever, acting. Then later, when I had the courage to write, then uh, I, I that's when I wrote. <laughs> what uh, before we get to Maribel, what gave you the courage to write? Oh my God! I think uh, when Peta would give me projects, and uh, you know, slowly, Maribel would always get me for like doc- short, uh, what do you call these audiovisual presentations. I think that sort of built uh, confidence slowly, and then I would join some other writers' groups, and uh, and uh, we had we used to have a playwrights development program in Peta, where uh, we would have every other Sunday meetings, and people would just read their plays, and I would just listen, and then later I it, it sort of inspired me also to write, and then uh, with Peta's projects, you know, I, I didn't get the big projects right away. <laughs> sort of warmed up first, and then when I when I finally did, of course, you know, Peta always has this what we call Peta Night, which is like a, <laughs> a major <laughs> critics' night, <laughs> a major critics' night, and that sort of humbles you. Yeah. You know, it, it, you have to be strong of heart to survive that. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> it can be and cruel. And and unfortunately, because we're very collaborative, Maribel and I would always. You know, we'd have uh, like post-mortem talks about a play, uh, uh, and um, and we, she would guide me in how it could further be improved, and so with other directors as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. You had your own like internship. <laughs> yeah, I think that was what was really nice. In the early years, we would have different what we call pools. So there would be like a writer's pool. There would be like a director's pool. There would be a movement pool. Uh, and so, and then so we just gathered. I guess it's interests and you know sort of like train ourselves and have all that. And we were. It's interesting if you see the the way. Uh, writing was developed in PETA no? from very uh, like improvisational sort of collaborative sort of a scene will come and it's just a scenario and you have to sort of develop it there uh, to you know different just group the actors and the directors working on a script to slowly slowly the writers wanting to have their own you know uh, voices that is clearly theirs and that developed with the playwriting uh, pool that Peta had and stuff like that. So it was, it's really been, maybe because we're fortunate to be old uh, in the sense that it really journeyed in terms of its aesthetics during that time, whether it was, you know, writing or we also had like a music pool and stuff like that. But until finally we started really having writers, writers, you know, let me see, we're commissioned, but they're all generally in-house. Our our writers are in-house, so they're really company members as well. Uh, before, you know, you could just be in PETA because your boyfriend or your girlfriend's there and then, oh, come here, you're okay, join. That was the way it's like Lisa's, you know. Uh, then eventually it became more formalizing, recruiting, because we have what we call membership uh, and we call our members artist teachers. So we have to train them not only to be performers or directors or whatever, but um, and writers, uh, but also teachers. We also have a very, um, we, we do a lot of workshops. And that's one very important program. That's like the spine of PETA. It's basically teaching and performance. Mm. Yes. yes. 
Oh, that is such a cool organization. That's like, there's, it's so multifaceted. It's like the performance is kind of the tip of the iceberg. And then there's this whole program behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite, it has a a huge ecosystem inside it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to come back to those workshops. But uh, Maribel, how did you become involved? Uh, uh, I, um, well, when I was grade three, one long story, you know, my teacher was a, um, um, a, a children's theater teacher of PETA. And so she started teaching in my school. And I, you know, I really loved, I didn't like going to school, but I loved going to my theater class. And that's when I fell in love with that. And her name is Mina Donato. And then she teaches in Hawaii, you know. Um, and she, she brought us to Fort Santiago. And this must have been the early years of maybe that was like, I was grade three. So how old was I? <laughs> anyway, let's not go there. But it was early years. And then I fell in love with that place, with that old, you know, fort, with the Piedra China story. I just had promised myself I would join. And I was like, what, eight years old at that time? And then years later, when in 1978, I was summer, college, I would join the PETA workshop. So a lot of us were really recruited through the workshops. And I finally joined. And then, well, basically, I haven't left since. So <laughs> I kind of like grew up there. Everybody's sweet. We really grew up uh, there from students all the way to lovely adults. Uh, and uh, yeah, and for me, I got a lot of my theater training, if not all, basically from actual practice in the company. And, and now we also you... train. Oh, you go ahead. We... No, no, no. We also, because our, our, our membership comes from different, we're, a lot of us don't have theater degrees. Most of us do not. So in-house, we really do a lot of training, whether it's acting or directing or writing or whatever. We train internally because now we have to get the membership to a sort of, you know, even a level. So we do a lot of training inside the company. So the training starts as uh, like for school children and then you kind of graduate into an adult program? No, we have workshops. Uh, That's, yeah. And then... We we and then for the ad and then we only recruit adults. So after the workshop, usually then every year PETA would open open for membership, and that's how I joined in 1978. But like I said, previous to that, it's just like, hey, you're here, come, you know. And then sort of became more formalized. But um, some of our members, because they will come from like they did, they were children's theater in the summer, right? And then they became teens, so they. Be, did teen theater and then after teen theater they would apply to join the company so their history is quite you know long i started in adult in what we call theater arts one so i was in college already when i went in and so the creation of rock of ages i understand it's kind of two-pronged that it started as a as somewhat of a joke that uh the the american jukebox musical rock of ages was playing in the in manila yes yes um was, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, we always develop, uh, when we moved into a little background, so that when we moved into the theater center, we, we knew that we had to really also start producing works that would also be commercially viable. And one of the forms that are really commercially viable in the Philippines or maybe in the world is actually the musical. Since I loved it, plus, you know, Lisa and I both love music and we both love comedy. I mean, even our work in our women's theater always had music and always had comedy, even if we were dealing with such dark themes. So, I mean, I think it's like a carryover. So we, so I'm really always in the watch for what new musical to do. And in 2013, Mike Solomon, our 
at the time he was you know the who will become our musical director made a joke you know if Atlantis is doing Rock of Ages why don't we do Rock of Ages and he and I you know Bing it just clicked in my head yes we will he was so surprised actually because I was just kidding well I'm not for doing it um Peta has that was our first jukebox musical because we do mostly original music, as we also have in-house composer, arrangers, musical directors. So we wanted to try uh, a few months, that same year, I think 2013, another group had had, had done another jukebox musical, um, Sugar Freeze Music, and it also did very well. So seeing that, I said, well, hey, we, why not try it? We've, we've never done it. And then so when Mike, you know, was kidding around with that, I said, why not? Ages being Ages, which is a very famous band um, in the Philippines that you know, nobody sings karaoke and doesn't sing their music. Said, why not? So then we, and then so I commissioned Lisa. Um, Lisa and I have been working together in, you know, we, she grew up as a writer and I grew up as a director basically together <laughs> through all the difficult and uh, difficult peta nights. Um, so yeah, and then so from there, I think Lisa should tell the story of her script. <laughs> Yeah, because ages. Uh, I, I wasn't that familiar with all the songs of ages, but I when I tried when I started listening. Oh, so this is the their song, and they have a different sound. Like like, of course you you've already heard the bit. I mean, you already heard the the songs in Rock of Ages, and um, I I was thinking that hey, this is gonna work because they have a different sound. It's not the usual Disney like kind of music mm. you know so and and uh, uh then fortunately um when i kept listening to one of their songs um basang basa which is like drenched in the rain um <clears throat> it sort of reminded me of uh one of the workshops that peta did it was a, like a psychosocial workshop in um uh laguna south of manila and uh, it was uh, sometime after Ondoy, the typhoon. And uh, when we went to the place, there was still a flood. And it was like two months after the typhoon. And it was still flooding there. And they they had a shoe industry that was uh, falling apart and all that. So, and, and I got to talk with some of the women there, the mothers. And then they were, they were sort of blaming one of the subdivisions as part probably the cause of the flood you know and i just remembered all of these and said why not you know maybe this can be part of the, this can be the story i mean taking off from that song and you know and then sort of try to see how other songs can fit into uh the story we fortunately ages agreed to make us to uh to, uh, to tweak some of the lyrics and and uh, to take some of the songs out of context, <laughs> you know, it's like it's a song about being uh, jilted or being, you know, abandoned by a lover or something, and but it turned it into a song about missing the the flood, <laughs> you know, s- stuff like those. So and uh, of course, because you know, being uh, like as Mar- like what Maribel said, we were into comedy. We always try to find what could be funny in in the situations and what and we also didn't try to limit ourselves into you know it's just a love story because peta being peta we always try to see it in a context we're not in a fishbowl 
Ball. <laughs> Fishball. Another <Ball. laughs> <laughs> aquarium. So, uh, Ayan, easier. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> now, but, um, so, so, we try to expand the story as well. And I think yeah, that's that what I makes the show so powerful is that it it's grounded in truth. And I, I love that Aegis gave you permission to change the lyrics because it it doesn't feel like a jukebox musical. And I I wasn't familiar with their music before the the seeing this show. And so for me, I was able to like it just felt like a rock musical to me. And uh so I'm curious what it's for someone who did grow up with their music or who is familiar with their music, what it, if the experience would be different? I, I think, you know, um, a lot of people went to watch the show initially because they thought, I remember, I'll never forget this anecdote, uh, some lady watched, watched after Act 1, she stepped outside and then she asked, I think, one of the ushers or whatever, oh, I'm really enjoying the show. When did the ages come out? And then... <laughs> And people thinking that the AG's band would come out. And it's just, no, 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 they're not going to sing here. You know, we're using the music of the AG's band. And I think that was what was really and what was really interesting and at the same time really felt good was because people would either, you, you know, Filipinos are still so colonial. They would rather go watch Broadway uh, produced in Manila or uh, companies in coming in from abroad than, you know, but that really started this whole interest also. After that, there were so many people who started producing jukebox musical of local you know, uh, music, right? So Apo and then uh, Huling El Bimbo, you know. And it's because people started watching it because they realized they could relate. So they went there first for the music. And then they were so surprised to say, hey, look. We were able to tell our stories, you know, and we were able to tell it, you know, in a joyful manner. And at the same time, it was able to capture Filipino, the Philippine, the Pinoyness of it all, right? With, I think, a universal theme still, right? Um, mm. And uh, Asian music, everybody just looks at it as, oh, you go to the karaoke if you're brokenhearted, you, you know, sing your heart out there and belt it in how many decibels. And then you <laughs> realized, oh my God, you know, you were, a- you were able to, you know, uh, manage expand it no like um like what lisa said it, i think it was very clear on the onset we said no fishbowl okay take it out because usually intended uh the usual tendency is that um you know since it's a love song it's only about uh, uh, individuals you know love between people so like how about we make it love of the community love of something larger than just the personal and that i think was the experiment that we were trying to do. I mean, initially during Peta Night, remember, Lisa, I remember somebody said, yeah. isn't it going to be weird when they sing to the music, to the to the water na, I'm going to miss you, don't leave me, right? And because yeah. they were, it was scary, right? Because I think, yeah, right. they might laugh, but they might also get the, you know, the irony of that, right? The, the things that we right. miss, so just love what love, but it's just, I mean, it was ironic because they wanted that water out, but at that moment they needed it, they wanted to keep it. But that's the whole struggle that we have, that conflict of how we choose and what good, bad, you know, the choices that we make, not only for ourselves, but even greater in the community, in the sense of the community, right? Which is a constant struggle in the Philippines, as you can see. It's so, you know, or not even the Philippines, in the world right now. And there's so much conflict, whether it's, race or poverty or whatever they buy. It, it, and it's that, that kind of push and pull. Um, and, and I think 
we also, I just want to say we were also fortunate that we had so many seasons to try to fix it, right? Because, um, yeah. you know... Yeah. Maribel doesn't want people to be, you know, complacent. No. You have to be... Every run is a stressful <laughs> run. Take note. <laughs> every season, we would add a song. Yeah. Or yeah. Oh, and we wow. would edit. Like, after the first run, of course, we saw, uh, this is problematic or it's too long. So, Lisa, edit. I, why can't we use this song? Let's put this new song. So, like, every season... We would add um songs. Not I even mean every, but especially the first three, no? The first three. Yeah. Uh we would add a new song, you know, the Mary Jane one that came only in season three, I think. No, no, no. Season that was on the first. Even in the very first ba. No, no, the the, the one that came in the second was Sayang Masaya. Sayang Sayang the Sayang, the mom's yeah. song and in the end, Mary Jane's song in Act Two. So we would do stuff like that, or you know, I I think because we were doing it so regularly, I didn't want to get so bored and I didn't want to be a cookie cutter. I know like in Broadway, because, because in reference to, I, know, I mean, everybody's supposed to act the same way. And you know what I mean? So people, when they go, it's just the same. But I just felt like that wasn't who we were. And that's one of the reasons why you have the alternates. If you're going to, you know, uh, allow the alternates to also put in their own flavor. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, like in the beginning, the, the, the two toilets ever since uh, the one that you saw, he has an alternate. I don't even really call them alternates. They're all, they're all the same. Ano? And I couldn't decide which the two of them when we casted. So I just said, no, just get both of them. They're both good. What the hell, right? Um, uh, can every director and, and casting director hear that, please? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I know a lot of directors don't like it because it's work. It's like I have to rehearse a play twice I, because I will do the. I mean, it's not like in the States, you know, I think the director only directs the first cast, right? Or doesn't, and then the second cast, somebody else. I don't. The I have to do will both. Come in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do both, especially second, third, fourth. By the later part, I was like, give me an assistant director. I'm dying here. But I would still go and check. And if it wasn't working, I would still do the same work. So I, I'd still cast. Mm-hmm for the new alternates and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's work, but at the same time, on the practical side, it was also good for marketing. So many people came to watch it because they wanted to see all the different alternates. I mean, there's a guy who watched it 21 times. I kid you not. Wow. 21 he times, paid. huh? He always paid for And he every paid show. every show. <laughs> They're and the audience members the, we love. Ticket, yeah, and he didn't. Yes. So you know, and it's so that's why it became like a community. Even the audience, I think, it became like a community. If the baranga, the actors themselves also became a community, because remember, usually when you open a show, it's not the first cast who does. The, we are we have kept pretty much all our original cast, but because over time they also got famous, <laughs> so we've just started adding alternates and stuff like that. But even the actors became a barangay because they started to grow. We started, you know, we have under 20 actors. Huh? We only have an ensemble of like about 10 or something like that and about 6 or 7. It's under 20 because we can't afford to have more than 20 actors inside our 400-seater, especially, you know. So the ensemble is like they're in and out. They're just constantly changing costumes and being the different characters. But so later on, we became 40, not because, you know, but because there were so many alternates already and stuff like that. And uh, it's a bit of a nightmare. I can understand why directors don't want to do it. It has its upside, I think. Yeah. 
Wow. I'm talking oh too my much. <laughs> this is no, this is so powerful. And I'm I'm thinking about when you mentioned the founder earlier, Cecilia, what's her last name? Guidote Alvarez. When the I love it. I love the fact that so much of this is female driven. That's I think that's there's something really powerful in that. And like that her vision of a Filipino theater that told Filipino stories and uh, used Filipino music. And this is like a culmination of all of that. And it, I know it was kind of born out of necessity, like wanting to create a commercial entity, but it, it feels like a culmination of her vision almost. Yeah, I, I, I think so. She was also very happy when she watched it. And I was really, you know, really the Balisa. When she watched it, she was, she, really, yeah. she was really so happy when she watched yeah. it because it sort of married our, you know, our objectives of content with entertainment and at the same time, um, you know, really fleshing out, the, you know, the whole culture part of it and aesthetic, whether musically or, you know. So it, it's... I think that that was a good thing. Maybe because we had so many water images, and water is a good luck image for the Asians. And also, so I love water. that Aegis is a, fil- a female-driven band. That it was three sisters yeah. are started it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, the the three singers are the Sunot, diba Lisa, yeah, but yeah. the the composer is actually he's passed away. Um, Celso yeah. Abenoha. He was a composer. And it's really, every time we do the, the play, and some people love it, I'm always hoping that from his watching in heaven, because I think when he passed, he wasn't, he didn't feel acknowledged. And um, mm-hmm. so now their music is really, you know, and, and you know, Aegis still was traveling and singing abroad. Um, pre-pandemic, they were still, you know, they're, the OFWs love them. Um all social classes sing their song. They're the, what do you call it? Guilty pleasure, bantawag doon, secret. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just like, it, 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 it's, it's, it's been a blessing. And also, I think, you know, the world is so small. When we decided to do ages, uh, our company manager, um, her classmate is the daughter of the owner of the band. So it was so easy for her to call and say, can we meet up with your parents to discuss it? So we went there. Like ten minutes into the conversation, you know, they said, "Sure, take the music," and they didn't. You know what I mean? They didn't say, "Oh, you can't do this or you can't do that," because I heard that in others they were given limitations. The composers, get, as they just said, they entrusted us the music, and for that I will forever be grateful to them. Actually, yeah, yeah that's very rare, quite amazing. You mentioned earlier the water. How early on did you decide to have water on stage? Lisa, it's can all Lisa's fault. Can I just say that? Can I just say that when when I gave Maribel the scenario, <clears throat> she was a really it's flood and <laughs> it rain. reaction, and it's like, well, we can always you know just pretend that there's water there. No, it will not work if there is no water. Yeah. That's what she said. So, and she was even willing to spend for it if the company yeah. couldn't because she couldn't afford it. I mean. I said, how are we going to do this? We're not talking about, we were, it's like 200 gallons of water. We have a swimming pool there in that center, right? And um, yeah, and we have to change that water all the time and we have to pay for that. And then at the time when we started, of course, I mean, Peta's not a rich company just because we have a building that doesn't say we have money. We only generate enough money to keep the work going and, you know, just pay the staff. It's so so, you know, and they didn't want to like, no, how, why, will, why will we spend so much money? We didn't know if it was going to work or not. Thank God for 
Rene Cobar, our TD, because he saw me looking so sad. Somebody even said, why did you just put plastic there? So I, went, no! so I was like sitting down, almost willing to give it up. And then he says, you want water? I'll give you water. And he did. He not only gave us a flood, he also gave us rain. So <laughs> I shan't say no to that. Like, hello. Uh, I think people were just so amazed that that little space could produce so much, you know, um, magic and uh, with with really, really, really a very, um, I mean, compared to other people's budgets, our budgets were really small. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. So it was really something. So it's all Lisa's fault. I remember when I read it, I just, it took me quite some time to sort of absorb the whole rain thing and water and I said, oh my God, how are we going to do this? So, I mean, but I was... we the water, so, you know, it's okay. It's okay about <laughs> water. Anyway, it's good fortune. I wish we had taken the shot of the outside where you have these yeah. gallons of water lined up and as the seasons went on, the pool became bigger so there was more water and that's manually pumped in and out, right? And by this little guy on tech. One time I thought he <laughs> fell into the I mean, the gallon is as tall as the guy who's pumping it, right? So it's, uh, and then, you know, the, you know, and, and our, the dancers had to learn to grand jeté over to the other side, right? Because it, you'll have to walk, you can't always walk around to that part. So, you know, we were like regulars in the emergency room because we had a lot of actors falling into that thingy, but they, they finally got the hang of it. So, and if you look at it, if you really come in the theater, I remember somebody wrote a, when they saw it, they said, what the hell is this set? Because it's like, you know, it's got trash. I mean, I remember our, our president, C.B. Garucci, she told me, Maribel, please, it's so gross. That's in the trash. And I said, but C.B., it's supposed to be gross. But still, you know, and she was like, but I guess in, well, in the end, it, 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 it worked. It made its point. But um, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was an adventure to, 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 to do it because the, you discovered it over time, actually. And we are so fortunate to have been able to do the show so many times for us to see, uh, you know, because you don't have the benefit of, like, in the stage, you know, you develop it over regional drama or you're just, you know, workshopping it. Like, so Lisa wrote that. That was 2013. I yeah, told her. She wrote it. I held on to the script for three months because I didn't know what the hell with water and the jolla. And then finally I said, okay, come on, let's let, let's do this. So, under mga six months, right, to develop this around, yeah, because yeah. we opened in January yeah. 2014, yeah. right? So that's why we were still rewriting stuff <laughs> that week, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Peta Night was Friday, or was it Saturday, right? I uh, know Friday, it was Peta Night, Friday. so we got yeah. really, you know, feedback that was you know. <laughs> so we were devastating, yeah. Lisa was rewriting on Sunday. On Monday, she sent the pages, and then my actors with the long face were like, "Are you serious? We're opening on Thursday." I'm serious. Come on, memorize. Um, yeah. And then you, so, you're rehearsing yeah. two sets of casts. To- <laughs> yes, yes. So you know, uh, wow. yeah, it was really stressful. But when we opened after opening day, palang we knew, uh, okay, this was gonna be okay. Not perfect, but it was gonna be yeah. okay. Yeah. We were surprised actually when, well, well, for me when I entered the theater, I was uh, the 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 building. I was hearing laughter, and I wasn't sure if it was coming from the play. So, <laughs> so when I heard that, oh, 
They're laughing. Oh, it's working. <laughs> yeah, this is supposed to be a comedy. So your greatest fear when you're doing a comedy is that they won't laugh. They won't laugh. <laughs> you know, but they did. Yeah. And so seven seasons later, jump, to, jump ahead to 2019. What made you decide to, even for archival purposes, film uh, this the last season? Or the seventh season. I won't call it the last because I have a feeling it, it will come back. But <laughs> uh, we, we always document our last uh, weekend, uh, which is so difficult because we had so many alternates already. So we had to pick which one because we can't really afford. We don't really have a huge budget. So it's basically documentation. Um, and that's the reason because we really document our shows. Um we, even before we were already being told, why don't you document it well and then put it online? Uh, pre-pandemic, people, you know, we just really never had, um, I mean, at the time, because we have a lot of projects, you know, PETA isn't just about, we have a children's project, we have a school, we have um, Ling Up Sining, which is the psychosocial, so people are really, really multitasking already. So that was really basically for our archives um, and we, the, that's basically why we recorded it without any intention. This, like I said earlier, I always wanted the show to tour. We were already being asked by you know people in the states and whatever Australia if we could tour it. And I've always, it's just that, of course, when people see the number of people and then they see the water and they see the, you know, it's been so difficult. But um, but 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 now we've put it on air. So hey, I guess online rather uh, now people get to watch it. But we worked on it. We. Sort of digitally, we mastered it, we re-edited, we did a lot of work uh, on it and um, tried our best. Because I also didn't, I was so afraid that, you know, people will see it and not appreciate it because of the quality of the the way it was shot. That was my greatest fear, that um, it won't capture... It won't capture the way it is, but of course it's 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 it, it's recorded, so it's not live, so that that's a given. But even it's in inception, we always, you know, um, the audience was always wanting to be drawn in. Like that's why in Act Two we have the Bahajus. When we, you know, we said we didn't have actors to do the community. Remember Lisa? That, that was already yeah. Lisa's script, and then he said, "Because we're going to get the audience so that they can feel the space, right?" And then the Bahajus and everything developed and. I, 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 I remember I made them improvise. Oh, if you were going to sell this place, you have to, the people who perform, think of something to do. You know, so all of a sudden it becomes a circus. They became a circus, right, where people would come in and watch them, you know, you know, try to sing their hearts out in that in that flood, right, and stuff like that. So it was, there's an intention talaga of making it, breaking that fourth wall and making the audience feel like they were part of it. Or like voyeurs, they're watching these people's lives as they sat through the, the play. That's why it it it, it uh, you know when when you film it, uh, it's not totally uh, something that you capture because the experience is different when you're there. And every night, a different person comes mm-hmm. on stage to to drink that baha juice, which is uh, <laughs> the juice of the flood. So. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's an experience for the audience, really. So you take that away somehow mm. because of uh, when you present the film. But at least you know somehow they see 
what the fuss is all about, yeah. <laughs> about rap. But interestingly, there were people who said that in a way, those who had seen it live already, they were also happy to see because there was things like close up. Because our theater isn't a huge theater. I mean, it's, you know, it's a black box. It's quite, so even, like, even our cheapest tickets are still close compared to like it's not a big big hall you know so it's really very intimate and i think that 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 intimacy really worked for dano so in a way the close-up there are also elements to shooting it that was also something that you could appreciate uh appreciate you know um now that you're seeing it online i guess because Mm. we've got we've gotten really good feedback i don't know if people are just kind but I mean, even the quality, you know, they were saying that it was fine, uh, you know, pretty, I know, uh, because really, like I said, that was truly my greatest fear. <laughs> I Truly, as you know, I've watched a lot of filmed musicals and... I think it doesn't come across as an archival recording. Most archival mm. recordings are like we stick one camera up the back and that's kind of it. And this has mm. like different angles and close-ups and the the quality is beautiful. So I, I don't think that's something you need to worry about at all. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I pray. <laughs> and I'm so the, the pandemic hit us in 2020 and obviously PETA had to close down and did you decide to re- you you decided to release the film as a fundraiser? Yes, yes, that was what we we've, uh, we've always been keeping um, uh, rap as one fundraiser. But last year, uh, we already put three of our shows online, um, which is the Care Divas, um, eighteen ninety six, and uh, uh, One which is our elect vote uh, voting play so we, we already tested it then that was like our exercise to prepare for us to understand because we we're also trying to understand the digital world and all this its own ecosystem whatever uh yeah so that was our practice and then finally we decided that this year because well it's been over a year and a half and we're still yeah. not you know and we're again we're in ecq again and it's you know, not looking like it. So we were really, it's really problematic for us. So we said, okay, now is the time for us to to put rock, uh, you know, online. Yeah. So in the US, we have really strict rules with equity around releasing filmed theater and like the compensation for actors and, and the musicians and the, like, the, whole, the whole crew, really. Um, are there similar rules in the Philippines? Uh, in the Philippines, the people here don't, uh, I, I, I don't think that it's the, usually the producing company will go through that, no, because really the, for writers and actors, especially actors, yeah, they really don't get compensated. It is not just in the theater, uh, even in television, even if it's the TV shows get shown in Cambodia or in South Africa, I don't think it's in there, you know, but what we did, uh, and what we do for, since we've been putting it online is we write to the actors and then we tell them that uh, there's a, co- a computation, but it's across the board, and um, and, and we will give them th- that computation. And and or would they like to? At least now the pandemic is not happening. Would they like to give that back as a donation to the company? So it's their choice. So some people donated their fees back to Peta, and some people, you know, uh, got their fees, which I think is. Perfectly. I mean, I got my fee. <laughs> no, I mean, you know why? I'm sorry. I'm just that it's never happened. You know what I mean? It's also a trip to have. Oh, you have royalties, and I mean, you know, just the experience of that is like it's such a trip to do. You know, and stuff like that. So we 
we have that we're really trying our best naman to compensate uh the 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 creatives and the actors and everybody as much as we can and uh yeah and i think that's something because we really inform them and then we and so it's for them to decide yeah yeah i i think that's uh especially during what this past year and a half has been that's that's really fair um after like the success of rock of ages it's been uh extended it will uh by the time this episode comes out, it will have already been streamed. But do you think you you will continue to stream work in the future, even when we're kind of back to normal, inverted commerce? <laughs> uh, yes, I think that is what um, this pandemic has taught us. We're really thinking of what works to uh, move into the digital platform uh, and now to really make it happen. If before it was just, yeah, 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 we'll do it. Now I think we really have to we really have to get down to do it. So yes, we are thinking of what other to stream. Um shall we create a new piece? Uh so secret then. Uh, <laughs> uh um yeah, we 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 will. Yeah. It's a reality we have to face. I mean <clears throat> I think like I keep on saying, I'm so old, so I don't wanna do that digital stuff. I just wanna do the live part. But but I know that, you know, the Pandora's box has been open. We've seen the possibilities. Uh, we've seen that streaming is, you know, gets to reach this huge number of audiences, Diva. Um, of course, your fear as, I know, is that what happens to live, but, but we'll still be live because that's where we develop the shows, right? I mean, it's different than if you develop it like a film because that's one of the things that we've been asked to do is consider is turning rock into a movie, into mm-hmm. a series, into, you know, and other shows uh, that we've done in the past that have worked. So at the same time, it's exciting because there's new things to create uh, and to think about. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I just wish everybody would get vaccinated. <laughs> because Tell at me the, about it. <laughs> but in the States, in the States, you guys are, uh, right? You're, you're going back to live is opening again, right? Yeah, but it's curious what will happen in the fall because there is still a big chunk of the population that refuses to get vaccinated, yeah, and with yeah. the variant, it's uh, yeah. it's a whole thing. But uh, you you mentioned lots of people watching the stream. Are you able to share the numbers? How many people watched, or uh, kind of? All sense? right, um, I'm not privy to that right now. I think. No, I'm sorry. I can't give you the numbers. I, I don't know, Lisa, because I've, I've been asking Leloy and uh, no, I don't, I'm not oh, privy to the I'm, numbers. I only know about the first weekend, which is like 7,000. But those are the tickets, I think. Yeah, that's not the and full picture. And then you picture. have to multiply that to the number of people in the house. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, you know, there could be three in a house or five or, yeah. you know, so we don't know. Yeah. I don't have the numbers right now. I think by the time by next week we'll have it. But I yeah. But I it, it like first that's right. That's what marketing said. There were seven thousand, but that's only in terms of the tickets sold. So we don't know how many people were watching. And you know, we saw some pictures where there was like a whole community of them watching with several scenes. Yeah, it's like in a hotel lobby yeah, or something, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. extraordinary yeah. when you think of like your theater yeah. was 450 people and you know yeah. that's been you know th- th- more than 10 times that yeah. is has yeah. watched it in yeah. one weekend and, and, it's really extraordinary and pre-pandemic we always had problems with the traffic 
and that's why people would not go to the theater because <laughs> parking. But now, yeah, traffic they're... and parking. But now they just stay home and watch it. Yeah. And and that and that we can like stream all over the world. I mean, exactly. I think really that's one of the greatest you know the strengths of this online thing. You can really reach audiences all over. I mean, you were able to see it, Louisa. I was yeah. going to ask you, how did you find out about it? Um, you know, uh, so it's, I can't imagine everybody else or you and your mom watching at the same time. And how cool is that, right? You yeah, like my mom moment. is in Sydney. I was in New yeah. Jersey and we, you know, were able to tune in together and watch at the same time. And like, you know, the full circle thing of, you know, she was born in Manila and, uh spoke uh well she heard tagalog speaking um growing up but doesn't speak it anymore and inspired her to maybe look into lessons again yeah because uh, hearing it was like oh my goodness <laughs> it, it brought back all these memories uh this has been so much fun i have five questions that i ask all my guests uh, so Maribel, how about you go first and then we can, we'll trade off. Uh, and you already mentioned earlier, your favorite musical was, uh, Pippin, Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, Company by Sod. I, I didn't mention it, but my favorite Lem is Company. I really love the music there. Uh, last five years, Sweeney Todd. I, I love all these choices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lisa? Uh, are you saying the film musicals? Uh, your favorite musical, the... just in, in favorite musical in general. Oh, uh, it's not far from Maribel's choices, actually. <laughs> Pippin, <laughs> Le Mis, Into the Woods, Hamilton, Feather on the Roof, uh, I think Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, no, man. You can sing the whole thing. All Bands visit. I love the bands visit. Do you have a favorite filmed live musical? The only filmed live that I've seen... Well, because I, I, don't, I had, well, I watched Pippin filmed. I didn't watch this live. So Pippin, Sweeney Todd was also good. I've watched that all live, I know. But recently, I saw during the pandemic, they did last five years. Uh, not the movie, huh? They filmed it inside an apartment. Did you watch that? Yes. That was they, so... Um, uh, oh, what's the company? I'm blanking. Um, I know which version you're yeah. talking about. In, yeah, it was, it was in the apartment. apartment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was really uh, what a lovely creative challenge to do last five years in one space. And I really liked it. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I watched, uh, it's not music, but I, it's a national theater or Don, Donmar, um, Jane Eyre, Jane Eyre. I don't know how do you mm. pronounce that. Oh, yeah, that one is good. Beautifully beautifully shot you know naman the way the brits shoot i remember telling hey yeah, this is not like the no, national theater i mean if that's your standard it's really no so jane Eyre was <laughs> really good yeah yeah lisa yeah into the woods i think and pippin would be my uh, mm. pippin i saw it in the 80s i think yeah <laughs> uh, with benbury yes the original of course that's still yes. the best yeah. <laughs> I love that. Beautiful. Uh, so a filmed live musical, it's not exactly theater. It's not live theater, like you said. And it's not exactly a movie musical. So what should we call it? 
digitized uh, digital play digitized a digital theater digital theater is that what it is I musical think. and video <laughs> digital music <laughs> you, you already film live musicals sounds okay yeah, I, I wait, thank you, you. <laughs> you've already captured it girl <laughs> <laughs> thank you that means yeah. a lot <laughs> where do you stand on bootlegs Oops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> no, you know, I understand. Uh, I, well, I know that it, it, it will cut, you know, earnings from people, but I kind of understand also people, especially those who cannot afford to watch it or those who are far away from it and but want to see it and really want to see it. So, you know, I, I just wish it were more available in a more affordable rate. Yeah. And, you know, and well shot. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. the ones that I saw were really, oh my God, you can see black. And then it's suddenly the foot of the, <laughs> uh, the audience Shaky. or the head. Or <laughs> no, but if it's, if it's badly shot, you'll still want to see it. I mean, if I get a chance to yes. go to your, I mean, I'd still want to see. There's only one bootleg I've ever seen, which is Book of Mormons. And that wasn't even that bad. But, I would, am I going to get in trouble for you? Know, but I would still go watch it because I mean, hey, who wants to, see, you know, I got a little yeah. dizzy there. But but if, you know, you don't have a chance to go there, or you get a sense of the play, yeah. um, I think, and that's, that's it. But of course, Sana, no, right? Like, it's it's like in our announcement. I don't know if you, you know, in the opening, during the color bars, the, you know, Mike Solomon goes into, a, and oops, don't, you know, don't pirate this because pirate we know it. that that was the problem. It's one of the, our fears when you put it up, when you put yeah. on, on, on online, that of course somebody would bootleg it. But I was reading in the Twitter and somebody said, hey, is there no bootleg copy of it? So something like that. But nobody answered. It felt like he was really looking for a bootleg copy of it. or I, I don't know how. Yeah. Because you can't help it. That once it goes online, I mean, people are creative Someone's if they want to get or you just shoot it, you know. I, I don't know if it has that automatic shutdown kind of thing when you should because mm-hmm. there's like that also. So yeah, it comes, I guess it comes with a territory, but I wish people wouldn't do it, but at the same time. Yeah. And like Lisa said, you know, hopefully making it more available and more accessible yeah. will cut down bootlegs and it's, you know, my hope that one day every show will be filmed and it doesn't mean that it will be released straight away. There's like a... Um, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? A There's lots of considerations to be had in how you release it. So, you know, is it going to be released when the show is closed or is it only going to be yeah. released in certain markets? Like there's a whole, there's a lot of considerations to be had. And, um, you know, people were scared when they started doing cast recordings, doing cast albums. There was a fear that people wouldn't come see the actual show if they had access to the album and like that is not true you know it just it opens access to the show and and like you said you know you've seen book of mormon and now you when you have the chance you'll come see it in person and i i think Mm -hmm. that filmed musicals only feed that hunger for for shows and then people will always want their live in-person experience Mm -hmm. because nothing beats it it's there is nothing like it yeah there's really yeah. nothing like live. That's it's right. a totally different communion with your audiences, you know, and that, yeah. that high mm-hmm. that you get when there's somebody there mm-hmm. reacting with you, you just 
cannot get that online. So yeah, I mean, I guess like anything that's new is always filled with fear because you don't know what it's going to bring you. In a way, I mean, good news, bad news. The pandemic has also brought us into discoveries such as this that, you know, um, yeah, you can put it online. It's not going to necessarily kill it. As a matter of fact, there are people who watch Rock who said, we'll just, when you go live, we're going to, we're going to watch it again because we want to experience that, you know? So that's, I mean, I was like, oh, okay. So doesn't necessarily yeah, one end of, the line. One of those, I'm sorry. One of those who tweeted was saying something like, uh, well, he had, he never saw it, but he watched it. And then it, it, it was well said. And, and towards the end, he just said, I'm going to see this live. Yeah. Yeah. Soon. yeah. You know, something like that. So yeah. it was, it, it sort of gave me goosebumps and then, you know, Wow, these people—they are looking forward to having theater again. Yeah. It's really, I think, yeah. a matter of cost and also technology. I mean, like when you have older people who, sonnets made more simpler. Like, like me, I'm an yeah. IT dum dum, right? But like, I'm like, it's almost what? What will I press? You know? <laughs> and so, how do you make it uh, at least you know not so expensive, but and at the same time also. Uh, technically not so hard to access or, you know, not so complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I yeah. think that has, the pandemic has shifted that too. There's there's yeah. so many new companies out there that are making streaming much easier. Yes. Uh, last couple of questions. Uh, what do you wish had been filmed? What stage shows? Had been filmed? Um, me? I, I'm sorry. No, but Lisa, go ahead. No, I don't know if there is, but Bands Visit, I'd, I'd like to see. I mean, I, I saw it live, but I'd like to have it, a film version of it. I think it's at the New York Public Library, but it's not It's not one that's publicly, like you have to go to the archives uh-huh. to watch it. You can't, it's not available. Mm-hmm. No. I would like to see Jagged Little Pill, because I, I, Jagged Little Pill, yeah. 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 Uh, Waitress, because I I like both the music, and Hadestown. Waitress is about to reopen on Broadway, and there are very strong rumors that it's going to be filmed. It's going to be shot, yeah. I think so. So, fingers crossed. And finally, (laughs) uh, what would you like to see filmed in the future? You mean Filipino, um, Filipino musical or? Oh, any Filipino or any musical. Oh. That's already shown, obviously. I'd like to see Hades Town. I mean, I don't think I'm going to be traveling anywhere soon. And I don't even think it's showing anymore. So I would, lo- I thought Hades Town looked really, really interesting. It's, it's about to, to reopen. They just announced oh. the cast. Yeah, I, it's Gosh, so beautiful. I yeah, I, I would I, love to see it again. Yeah, well, I really want to watch it. I mean, this is not a musical, but I've seen it, but I'd really love to see it again. And I wish to uh, other people, um, Curious Incident of the Dog in it, because that's yeah. Oh, yeah. so I well staged. I cried Wait, when I watched it. The, the so National Theatre did film it. Did they? I what is it on? It's, it what may even it be on the National Theatre platform. Oh, so let me check that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> interesting to see. I mean, the, the way it was technically done. Yeah, just, I really love the staging of Curious Incident. I love that. So nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this, I just, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> this has been so much fun. Uh, where can we find you online? Uh, or where can we find Peta uh, online? Uh, we're on Facebook. 
Peta Theater. Also on Instagram and Twitter. What else? Um, are we on? Are we on Kumu or anything like that? I don't no, know. Not uh, on Kumu yet. But basically, our Facebook page and our Twitter yes. and Instagram. I'll I'll we make sure to have so. links in the show notes. I'll I'll put links to all of that. Thank yes, you both yeah. so, so much for joining me today. And congratulations on the wonderful success. Very well deserved of Rock of Ages. Thank you so Thank much you. for having us. Thank you. Filmed Live Musicals makes musical theater more accessible, brings joy, and creates a sense of connection for audiences around the world. With thanks to patrons Josh Brandon, Elliot Charles, Rachel Esteban, Mercedes Esteban Lyons, James T. Lane, Al Monaco, David Negrin, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, David and Catherine Rabinowitz, and Beck Twist for being a part of spreading the love of musical theatre. If you would like to join, you can do so by becoming a Filmed Live Musicals patron. For as little as $3 a month, you'll receive early access to the Filmed Live Musicals podcast, early access to site content, and a weekly newsletter with info on upcoming streams. Visit patreon.com forward slash musicals on screen to learn more. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for listening.